Today we are joined by Hitesh Bardwaj, founder of CapEx, and Andy, our CRO, joining in live from the Marbella IRL event. CapEx is a sector-specific Layer 2 blockchain, specialized for token distribution and trading, facilitating curated distributions for project communities, token streaming for investor distributions, and a liquid secondary market for tokens built on Polygon supernets. CapEx currently offers four products. The CapEx Supernet, a sector-specific Layer 2 blockchain specialized for token distribution and trading. The CapEx App, allowing distribution to communities before token launch. CapEx Liquidity, a solution for the distribution to investors at token launch. And finally, the CapEx Exchange, to allow for the redistribution of investor tokens post-token launch. Ready? Ready to go? Okay, so welcome everybody to another episode of our VVV AMA series. Today from a very special location, right, uh, streaming live from Marbella in Spain from our second uh, real life event, where we have the pleasure to sit next to our audience of uh, VVV members. And so that's also a little bit, <laughs> a little bit confusing today with the tech because yeah everything was set up now with different cameras and different systems so it was a bit more complicated so thank you very much also to the audience and our guests yeah for for the patience <laughs> to bear with us through those uh, technical troubles but now i'd like to introduce our today's guest uh, hidesh badwash he is uh, the founder and ceo of a project called capex and uh, yeah, but, uh, <laughs> please introduce yourself, Hitesh. I've, I'm really glad to have you on our show today. Thank you. Thank you so much for the introduction. Uh, so hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Hitesh. Uh, I got into crypto like around five or six years ago. Just a, the just a second. We yeah. still have a problem. Sorry. <laughs> It seems so that we have an audio problem. I can hear you, but I think in the live stream we have an issue. Um, everyone watching the live stream, could you confirm? Could you hear our guest? Can anyone confirm? Uh, Hitesh, could you, could you say something, please? Yeah. Can someone hear our guest that speaking? It takes a minute because there's some delay between stream mm. and... Uh, yeah, we have, okay, a, uh, we have a delay here. Okay, it's a bit lower, but they can hear Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know how to... Seems to... Seems to be okay, a bit low volume, but okay, yeah. It should, it should okay. work now, yeah? Is it, is it something you can fix, fix at your end or... Yeah, I think. Should I, should I okay, speak wait, a louder? Uh, wait a second because it's uh, it doesn't seem to be good. Ah, okay. Okay, give me one moment to figure this out. I think we we need to change some settings here. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah the audio is coming from the. Okay. So I think we we just capture your your voice through my mic here. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> not the ideal situation. Yeah. Yeah. 
We will get this fixed, yeah. Okay. Okay, let's let's try it. Let's try it. I don't know. Okay. Should work. Okay. Yeah. Should I? Hi. Uh, can you guys hear me now? I think we, we are good to go. And yeah, so okay. Hitesh, welcome again. Yeah, so please could you could you introduce yourself to the audience and tell a little bit about uh, your background and how you entered crypto? Yeah, sure thing. So hi everyone, uh, my name is Satish. Uh, I got into crypto like around five years ago. Uh, so earlier I entered the ecosystem by contributing to the Cosmos blockchain. It's one of the top blockchains in the world. So uh, I, I have an engineering background and I was very curious about what this technology can bring to the table. And uh, so we started an initiative called Cosmos India and we became like uh, an Indian team to contribute to the core Cosmos code base. And uh, one of the biggest achievements we had back in the day was Cosmos is all about uh, interoperability and the first IPC transaction in the world was done by us guys. So that, that kind of put us all on the map. And uh, after uh, working on Cosmos, I was uh, also one of the co-founders for a liquid staking protocol in the Cosmos ecosystem called Persistence. And uh, so uh, this uh, uh, persistence I started around uh, three years ago with my co-founder Tushar. And we were basically building a core infrastructure on the Cosmos blockchain. Uh, and uh, worked, worked on that for a bit. We launched the token in the market as well. Uh, the token did pretty well. It's still one of the top 250 tokens in the market. And as an entrepreneur, uh, once you do a token, like I got to know a lot of uh, new access around the token. and. That's how I basically came up with the idea of CapEx. So basically one of the first things that I observed is like, of course, over the past five years, like the industry has evolved a lot. Uh, a lot of things have changed over time, but like uh, there's still a lot of misunderstanding in the market when it comes to token as an asset class. There's of course not a lot of information out there. There's no definite way in terms of how you quantify these assets and uh, how do you uh, figure out a lot of things around these assets. So what, what, uh, what, one of the primary things that I basically observed was that a lot of institutional capital that was entering the space, uh, that capital tried to, uh, was trying to classify tokens very similar to how you classify equities as an asset class, right? Because capital markets are publicly traded markets and then uh, tokens do behave a lot like how equities do. But one thing that I always like to give an, uh, as an example to specify how different it is. is for example, like Elon Musk bought 100% of Twitter and Twitter is still valued at around $50 billion. But if Elon Musk buys 100% of Bitcoin supply, Bitcoin goes to zero, right? So even though there's some similarities between equities and tokens, but there's like fundamentally two very different instruments, right? Like where the success of an equity company has largely to do with the business, but a success of a token project has largely to do with token distribution, right? That's why we see a lot of meme projects with no utility to uh, do, do a lot uh, great in this particular market, right? Mm -hmm. So considering all of that, uh, what we guys are building now is like basically the underlying infrastructure uh, for tokens as an asset class, right? Imagine like long ago when equities were launched into the market, uh, there was like a lot of misunderstanding around equities as well, but now you have an entire Wall Street 
dedicated to uh, uh, equities as an asset class. Right? So similarly, we believe tokens are in a very, very early cycle right now. It, of course, will take a lot of time for the markets to understand this asset and build a lot of infrastructure around it. Like we basically want want to be that underlying infrastructure in terms of helping token projects and helping token projects go to the market. I see. Yeah. I see. Thank you. Yeah. So. You have a, a far-reaching experience and knowledge yeah, into the financial market. Uh, could, you, could you tell us a little bit about where do, do you get those uh, knowledge and what is your experience in, in this area? Yeah, uh, so my background is largely from engineering and uh, I did my bachelor's in computer science and that's how I got into blockchain entirely. Like initially I was looking at the technical side of things and what the technology could bring to the table. And the more I worked in the industry, the more I realized one of the biggest use cases for this technology is financial, right? So I, I just became a lot curious about the financial side of things. So back in 2019, I was also a co-founder for a project called Complex. So Complex, uh, the name is derived from Commodities Decentralized Exchange. And back in the day, we were basically building infrastructure in terms of decentralized infrastructure to facilitate commodity trading. So after like the goods are loaded onto the ship, uh, a document is issued called bill of trading, right? So we basically built out the entire infrastructure in order to facilitate trading around it, financing around it, underwriting around it. So like we did like uh, north of hundred million dollars in transactions. So like that's where my financial journey started. I understood a lot on the banking side of things. I understood a lot of on the financial side of things and after launching uh, a token in the market i got to know like all the properties around a publicly traded asset and like crypto markets are much more aggressive than uh, equity markets right because equity markets are only open eight eight hours a day five days a week but crypto markets are open 24 7. so as a founder i firmly believe you need to have a lot of uh, information and uh, knowledge around the financial markets as well because at the end of the day it's a publicly traded asset right and, and once you understand the depth to which uh, like this this asset is like then is when you can do so many things as a founder which are uh, basically right and supportive of this particular asset right so it was largely a function of curiosity I never had a professional degree in finance uh, in general it's I, I'd say it was largely just some experience talking to a lot of industry experts, uh, problem solving because a lot of these financial problems used to come to us and then reading a lot of books and of course watching a lot of YouTube videos and learning learning from just talking talking around with everyone. I see, yeah. Yeah, I, I think the, the best way to learn such stuff is by doing it, yeah. So I absolutely agree absolutely. that uh, the theory is not enough here in that space. Yeah, you need to experience it and also crypto is different yeah, than traditional markets as you already mentioned so i think yeah that's that's the right approach yeah and you are very very knowledgeable yeah so uh we we can see and feel yeah that you're really passionate about the the topic itself yeah and as i read first time about your project yeah um i i must admit i didn't get it right because it's so counterintuitive to everything that you hear as a narrative in crypto yeah so in general everyone yeah has this this meme of diamond handing so only good partners will hold forever and uh, only the, the the quick flippers are the bad guys destroying the market and as far as i understood that's exactly your concept yeah to to open up these restrictions and break this 
these uh, boundaries that we see here in, in, in the market. Could you elaborate a little bit on that? No, absolutely. Like, uh, as, as I said earlier, right, like equities and tokens are very different instruments. A lot of people just try to put it in the same bucket and bring their past experience in terms of evaluating these particular asset classes. But at the same time, if you, if you truly realize like equities are all about value accrual over a period of time as a function of how the underlying company is doing. And it doesn't necessarily matter like if you have 100 people owning equity or a million people owning equity, like equity is equity at the end of the day, right? But in tokens, it's it's very, very different. It's all about how many people are holding that particular token. And like that's, that's what the ethos of decentralization is, right? Like the primary function of a token is to decentralize something and decentralization is all about uh, is directly proportional to the number of people holding something right so the faster the token can go from 10 holders to 20 holders to 100 holders to like 10 million holders the better it is for the token right so if you put that same logic and then you look at the investing side of the uh, table right like it investors like largely this is something that happens with most of the projects is that a lot of projects build in private uh, they will basically do a private sale, they'll build out the product, and when they launch the token on token launch day, you just have 10 investors who have invested in the project, and then uh, 10, uh, uh, 10 people from the team, right? Like only 20 people do a particular token, right? Like that's not decentralization. Decentralization is all about how can we get these tokens from the hands of these individuals to like a large set of people now, right? So like we basically envision a world where like community can be onboarded much earlier. The and and it's very sad to see that the only role of community now has become like exit liquidity, where like a lot of investors who put in money and a lot of early supporters in the project will just sell the token on unlock, right? And the only way community can earn these tokens is by buying such high prices on the market, right? So it's it it kind of is very bad for the project overall. Like if you look at most of the successful projects, right? Like Bitcoin. Bitcoin never did a private sale, right? They just incentivize all the people who were doing actions in line with what the protocol is about, right? If you look at Ethereum, if you look, the reason these projects have amazing communities uh, is that 10 million people have made money in these projects, right? So community is all about how many people have aligned to your goal and how many people benefited from that, right? So this entire ethos of just 10 or 20 investors just holding on forever uh, to these particular tokens is, is something that I'm, I'm not a very strong believer in. And second thing that we also need to understand like this alignment of uh, stakeholders, right? Like for example, a fund manager, right? The, it's a fiduciary responsibility of a fund manager to raise capital from LPs, deploy it into projects, and then basically be able to give some sort of a returns back to LPs, right? Like the fund manager is also not business of of holding a token for hundreds of years, right? So if that is the construct, like founders should acknowledge that and founders should basically devise their strategy, their tokenomics around this particular principle that yes, fund managers are going to sell at some point in the market, but it shouldn't be such a, such a managed well rather than having this mindset that okay, my investors are never going to sell, right? That's a very wrong approach. And at the same time, in ethos of decentralization, the tokens from the investors' hands need, need to go into the community hand, right? Like we don't want 20% of the network to be held by 10 people, 
right? We want this 20% of the tokens to also come into the market and then also uh, go, go to like a lot of these community members, right? However, the function of how these tokens go needs to be optimized a little, right? And this is, and again and again, I like to draw analogies from how things have happened in the equity world. Uh, how New, New York has functioned, how Wall Street has functioned. Like for example, today a, a Web2 startup takes 13 years to go to market in terms of doing an IPO, but a crypto company is doing the same in 18 months, right? So it's a very, very aggressive uh, timeline uh, as well. And in these aggressive timelines when investors sell on the community, the returns are very high for the investor, but the community takes it. So we also feel like the fund managers, the ones who have a fiduciary responsibility to give the money back to the investors, they should not have an only option to sell on the community, right? They should also have some more optionality in the market, right? That's why we feel like having an infrastructure where investors' positions they have invested in is much healthier rather than just investors selling it all on the community, right? So that is also one part of the infrastructure that we are determined to basically build, where investors have that optionality uh, it, it kind of works in the favor of everyone, right? Like, they, in any good project, only 10 to 15 investors are able to get in. Now, imagine the thousand investors which missed out, right? So, if they're able to buy directly from the investor who has invested, it's better, right? The token is going from 10 investors to 50 investors to 100 investors and then going to the community, right? So, it's all about right. decentralization, it's all about token distribution. And we believe like these constructs will eventually help a token in terms of like a token starting from a genesis point and then going to like 10 million. Mm -hmm. I see, I see. Yeah, um, if you follow uh, different projects, TGEs, uh, you you find a similar pattern, yeah, that uh, a token launch, the, the price will pump yeah. very, very strong and then really turn 180 degree and dump heavily. Yeah? And some projects yeah. never recover yeah? or it takes a really long time yeah. until the price stabilizes and, and recovers. Um, what is your approach yeah. Yeah, to prevent such, such uh, cycles? Yeah, so uh, one, one thing that is very important to acknowledge is that like and uh, this is where I like to bring like a movie reference in. Like if you guys have basically seen Wolf of Wall Street, uh, there, there's like a boiler room where like uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is selling shares on the phone and he's getting 50% uh, commission for anything that he sells, right? So similarly, if you look at crypto, if all the sell pressure that is coming to the market in terms of token unlocks, that sell pressure needs to be generated by investing some capital, right? Like the project has to do a lot of marketing, the project has to sponsor conferences, the project has to get a lot of traction in terms of encouraging more investors to be associated with the with a particular project, right? But this is like a very, very expensive cycle. Then again, like I think so one ways uh, one way a project can be very mindful in terms of ensuring that like all those 180 degree turns don't happen is like optimizing the race to start with. Like, and this is something I've seen which is very common in this industry is because there's a lot of capital in the industry, a lot of founders will just go out and raise absurd amount of money which they not even need over a period of time, right? Like for example, there's a reason why equity companies do like six rounds of fundraise, right? They do like a C, series A, series B, series C, series D because there's like a time cost of money, right? You don't want to raise a lot of capital much before then when you need it, right? So it's very different. You'll see. Uh, a four-person team or a ten-person team just raise something like twenty million dollars, 
and then their three is going to translate to sell pressure at some point in the community, right? So if founders can be much more mindful in terms of how much capital it's going to take and not be like, okay, they're just raising money from invitation and just blow it out on random things. I think so like that's one of the key places to start. Uh, if uh, as a project, okay, that those steps were taken, a project has raised a lot of capital, then there's like, of course, uh, uh, having like an active participation in the secondary market, that would help. Because a lot of investors over a period of time want to get some liquidity against the tokens that they've invested. So if the project can, for them to start buying uh, uh, these tokens, right? Like it's like how hedge funds uh, function in the market. It's not necessarily that they're just buying, buying private sales, right? Hedge funds are also buying uh, stocks from NASDAQ directly, right? So you want to have conversations with much more in mature institutions, much more liquid hedge funds, the ones who are able to buy these allocations from the investors directly, right? So that the community doesn't get hurt in the process. So this is something which is very, very common in equities market, this is very co common in New York or capital markets. But this is something I think so which will come to token as an industry, but of course it's gonna take some time to mature. I see. I see. Yeah. So how how is it possible? Yeah. To to yeah give uh, those those uh, VCs or early investors the possibility yeah to participate in such a system. Yeah. Because currently I think it yeah. is a, a quite yeah, so un, undefined yeah. uh, situation. Yeah. With these OTC deals that are Correct. yeah not not clearly structured Correct. and defined. Yeah. Correct. So that is something that we have, we have been working on for a long time as well and we feel like the current constructs of OTC deals are very uh, immature to start with. At the same time, blockchain as a technology allows you to put a lot of trust into these equations, but a lot, a lot of practices in these industries are still very primitive. Right, like you will still see that okay, a document like a soft being put as escrow to a third-party OTC, and then these investors being able to receive the tokens at the latest date. Right, like first of all, SAFs are very imperfect uh, instruments with not a lot of regulatory recourse, and second is like trusting on third parties and individuals is also like very very risky. Right, and we have seen uh, a lot of these trusted partners go down. For example, Alameda Research or Three Arrows Capital were some of the largest OTCs in the world and a lot of people used to trust them to start with, right? But now we know that things can go back in, uh, in, in just a degree, right? So what we uh, as CapEx, we are working on is basically a financial instrument which sits on chain and this financial instrument ensures that uh, there's a lot of downside protection to anyone who's holding it. Like it's, it works very similar to how a liquidity pool token works. Like if there's a pool and you put let's say 100K of USDT into it and you get LP token, it's very similar to that. So how it technically works is like, let's say as an investor, if you are investing into ABC project, over a period of time, you're supposed to receive like 10,000 ABC tokens, right? So we work with the founder on this one. So what we do is like, it's it's very similar to how traditional vesting functions, but we issue a wrapped vesting token on top. It becomes like a depository receipt on your uh, tokens that, that we invested, right? Like as an example, let's say you invest in a project, uh, you're supposed to receive 10,000 ABC tokens, you will receive 10,000 X ABC tokens, right? So these X ABC tokens are basically one is to one redeemable. As an investor into a private deal, you can be very mentally uh, sound or at peace is that because now you basically hold the tokens which are the keys to the lock 
where your original tokens are right now you are not at the mercy of a founder or at the mercy of anyone else in order to get your tokens after the vesting cycle is done right so and the, this liquid token is very powerful as well because you can store it in your wallet you can transfer it to some other wallet you can even go out and find liquidity against this token right you can either go to your friend or to your peer and be like okay hey man i invested 10k to this project now this has become 80k but it's locked for the other year or so do you want to buy it at a 50% discount or so right so what you can do is like your friend can transfer you 40k and then you can transfer this token to your friend if you want an infrastructure for doing something like this that is also something we are working on it's called capex exchange so it's a privacy enabled order book exchange which works like an otc but the only uh, but the good part is that it's non custodial at any moment no one from capex basically touches your fund funds right like when you trade with someone your funds basically go into an escrow it's a permissionless escrow completely secured by the blockchain and once let's say you find a buyer the buyer puts the money you deposit your tokens the trade is done the the tokens basically get exchanged right you get uh, uh usdt for what you sold and the buyer basically gets the usdt in return and all of this happens completely in a permissionless infrastructure right so what we are trying to do is we are trying to make a paradigm shift in terms of how secondary markets are perceived first in terms of like they are perceived as very negative markets but in in all honesty like most of the successful tokens in the world have had the highest sap trading volumes but at the same time like they also want to bring a lot of structure to the market by providing critical infrastructure and tooling and also ensuring that you don't have to trust people again anymore right we we are talking about blockchain we are talking about a trustless economy so that is what we basically want to with with this particular infrastructure i see yeah that's that's fascinating yeah i think that's uh, a, a very essential tool yeah um, to revolutionize and disrupt the otc market uh, do you have some insights about the, the otc market volume currently in in the web3 space so uh, uh, a rough number it's it's very cyclic yeah it's very cyclical in nature but like a very very close friend of mine who is like one of the uh, a big otc test like what i got to know from him was uh, they like and and this is a question i asked them like in terms of the volumes that they do and my question was like okay what's the highest number you have done in a day and this was around when uh, uh, luna was going down like these days that's just one institution they did like 300 billion dollars a day uh, sorry 300 million dollars a day right so that was just one otc right so that's very large number and now you have so many of these otcs around the world so i'm pretty sure this market is like very very huge uh in this market a lot of volume of course has to do with bitcoin or ethereum and other like uh assets but at the same time like what we are trying to target is like a small portion of it which is like the unlock uh unvested tokens uh which i'm, I'm pretty sure would be a significant amount as well I, uh, I don't. I don't have the exact numbers on it mm -hmm. because it's a very, very private market. Yeah, it's 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 huge. Yeah, very impressive. Yeah, didn't expect that yeah. volume. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so if absolutely. I so, yeah. if I understand it uh, correctly, yeah, to summarize the, the the base concept. So let's imagine I'm a early seed investor into a project. Yeah, and I have a certain vesting schedule for my tokens. Yeah, let's say uh, they will be released in 18 months or in 24 months. Um, I have the ability over your platform to wrap those uh, vested tokens that I can't access currently and uh, trade them on the platform for uh, yeah 
real USDC or whatever, yeah, the stable coins. And uh, so get also the possibility to exit my position earlier yeah, before the vesting is, is done. Is that correct? So? Correct. Correct. That's absolutely correct. Perfect, perfect. Yes. Uh, which which role does the community play on the other side? Yeah, because I find this very fascinating that you also cover uh, the full life cycle of the of the token uh, economic. That you also uh, think about the, the community growth. And I've I've remember that uh, we spoke last time that you already have hundred k users on your platform before you launched anything. Yes, so that's. That's pretty pretty impressive, yeah. So maybe you could uh, also dive a bit yeah. into the community aspect of your project. Yeah, sure. So like one one problem that I've been looking in the market is like a lot of founders, uh, whenever they plan to launch a token, uh, they initially start working on the product side of things, and then they basically follow the same patterns, and their behavior is very similar to how they are running a web two startup, right? But the ethos of a Web3 startup is all about building it public and then also finding a lot of community members at a very, very early age who can become contributors to your particular project, right? So, but the but one of the things that doesn't allow founders in order to do that is like, because the token is not live in the market, right? And without having a token in the market, there is no way or no structure in order to incentivize a community member. There are certain projects who have done experiments with this, like what they'll do is they'll drop like an NFT collection. They'll be like, okay, you are an early contributor to the ecosystem, we'll give you one NFT or we'll give you one badge. Uh, some projects are basically experimented around with by giving XP points or something, right? But to be very, very honest, uh, a lot of these early badge or XP points don't really translate to anything, right? Because if a user is basically putting in some time, effort, energy into being that early contributor, like the user is not being justified very well for the contribution. So that's where we thought of that all the early users and contributors to the ecosystem should be offered sweat equity in the project. Like it doesn't necessarily have to be large, but it still has to be a function of how much these users are contributing onto the platform. For example, we did this with our CapEx community as well. Like it's uh, 21st Feb today, so we launched around 13th or 14th January. And we did like a pilot program on, on the private beta of our app. It's, it's live, by the way, all of you guys who are listening to this uh, conversation can also try it out after, after the conversation. So basically what we did is our ethos was that all the early contributors to CapEx, we have multiple things that we want their help with. First is we want to educate them about what CapEx is, right? Because once these community members are educated about CapEx, they can be become they can become much stronger contributors, right? Because they can figure out what are the roles that they can play in the ecosystem. Second thing was like in order to nurture them uh, to uh, for all the future projects that come to the platform, right? So we want these community members to also support all the future projects that come to the platform. And third was we also want these community members to spread the word, right? So if they can get a friend onto the platform or if they can talk to some people and get them on the platform, so we can if we can incentivize them a little. So we came up with this IOU token uh, called XCAPEX. It's again one is to one redeemable for when the CAPEX token is launched in the market. So we started incentivizing these users and started distributing IOU tokens, right? Like if you watch a video on what CAPEX is and answer these basic questions about CAPEX and you're satisfied with the answer, we'll give you one token. If you bring your friend onto the platform, we'll give you one token, right? It's, it's exactly how all the token projects have been bootstrapped in the past. And that's one of the primary roles of 
uh, tokens as well, right? Because what happens is like a lot of projects go to market without having any community, right? So this solves that Kickstarter problem. I see. I see. So we we actually like we didn't expect that much, but the but the but the numbers turned out great. Like we in the past five weeks, now we have around 115k users on the platform. We have spent zero dollars on marketing. It's it just been token incentives, and we are very happy that there are 115,000 people who are holding some tokens uh, from Capex, right? Because we just want the community to be large. We want the community to contribute, and we also want the community to feel that they are a part of something, right? So now that we are we were able to do that with this particular instrument, it's very great. And Capex community is only getting stronger every day with more people joining the ecosystem and getting incentivized for joining. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's really impressive. Yeah, I think uh, that has also a, a very high value yeah, to new startup projects yeah, to get the attention and get really active members that are not just grinding for an airdrop yeah, and leave the projects afterwards. Yeah, so to have a more sustainable approach yeah, to yeah. build a community. Uh, we just got a, a question from the community, from the listeners. Uh, Joseph is asking, uh, will the CapEx exchange be limited to the tokens launched through your protocol or will it also offer an alternative service to OTC of other projects? Understood. Uh, so what you are building at CapEx is like keeping all the principles of uh, decentralization in mind and our platform, all the infrastructure is fully composable. What I mean by that is, like even the wrap testing token issued on our infrastructure don't necessarily have been have to be traded on capex exchange they can even go outside the ecosystem if you have some other dap that you like where you want to use these assets uh, you can basically do that if there's some other infrastructure you want to sell this asset at you can do that and vice versa for the capex exchange as well like it's not limited to assets that are issued through capex CapEx exchange is free for all. It can be used for any particular asset as long as it is on-chain and it's it's free for anyone uh, to be able to come use it for uh, any any other asset as well. So all the projects, all the different projects like the CapEx app in terms of issuing tokens to the community, CapEx liquid in terms of issuing, managing and streaming all these uh, unvested tokens and managing the vesting and then CapEx exchange in order to facilitate a robust infrastructure that replaces the OTC in the future, right? So all of these projects do work hand in hand, but they're very individual projects that can be used by anyone at any point in time, and uh, it's, it's a fully composable ecosystem. Okay, thank you very much, yeah. Um, maybe we could uh, look into the tech aspects now. Um, on, which, on which blockchain will you launch your protocol and how is it structured? Yeah, so uh, uh, we first we'll be going live on the Polygon blockchain because Polygon gives us like a lot of scalability and a lot of EVM based projects are very interoperable with Polygon and uh, at the same time we are also working on launching our own Polygon Supernet. So Polygon Supernet is a scalability layer, it's like a layer 2 infrastructure to Polygon which like a lot of apps with high frequencies uh, or high number of transactions will be using in order to optimize both the cost and the and the security around a particular uh, particular application uh, so like most of the stuff will be built on on in the polygon ecosystem at the same time like we will be interoperable and multi-chain offering our services to almost all of the evm chains to start with so let's say if you have a bnb uh, pro, uh, bnb chain project that that wants to use capex we will have our smart contracts live on bnb chain 
if there's like an avalanche uh, ecosystem project that we wants to use, we will have our tokens like them. Uh, our, our smart contracts like them. Similarly for Ethereum as well. So initially we want to keep ourselves limited uh, to Polygon ecosystem by, by building the core infrastructure to the Polygon ecosystem and then extending the services to all EVM chains. And then in a later, once once we cover all these aspects well, we will be offering services to like some other chains and some other ecosystems as well. I've been a very strong proponent of Cosmos in the past, uh, so we'll be extending uh, all, all the offerings to Cosmos and, and some other chains in the ecosystem as well. I see. Okay. Thank you. Um, Joseph has another question. Yeah. So how are the IOU token um, <clears throat> differentiated between different projects and uh, communities will there be a yeah. different so, ticker ticker and smart contract for each yes there will be uh, one smart contract that manages like multiple buckets of these tokens but the tokens going to be the ticker is going to be for different for different communities for x uh, for capex community the iou token will be called x capex for let's say if Aave were to do it we'll call it x Aave. Or if Curve were, were to do it, we'll call it X Curve. So a lot of these tickers will, of course, will be derived from the original project. But uh, given our name is CapEx, we'd, we'd like to just put like an X at the front to differentiate it uh, from the other project. Okay, yep, understand. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> could you could you give us a little bit more insight uh, on the use case and and the functionality of your own token? Yeah, in the whole process. Yeah, of of wrapping resting tokens yeah. for example yeah, but what is the base principle yeah. here yeah so like everything we have built from ground up is keeping the ethos of web3 in mind at no point any of the services or any of the business offerings or any of the value accrual will happen to the business as such or there's going to be like payment gateways where the company benefits everything's been structured in a way that all the money all the, the revenue generated or all the all the value accrual happens directly to the token. So one of the first fundamental properties uh, of the token is going to be securing our Polygon SuperNet. Uh, so we will have our own set of validators. These validators will be validating transactions on-chain. Uh, CapEx token will be used as a gas fee in order to facilitate all these transactions. And it will be very similar to, let's say, a Polygon token or any proof-of-stake token where uh, uh, like all this token's functionality has to do with like all the all the basic functions of running a particular a particular chain uh, at the same time like in terms of value accrual that is also something we'll we'll be working heavily on because we want this token to grow uh, in value and also this project to run as like a completely decentralized business so first part is like uh, basically like how you have a customer acquisition cost uh, when you want to attract users to your platform and this cost can be very very high considering it's very very difficult to find exact users who are well tailored to your particular product so we feel like because capex will have a large community of users who will be ready to put in time effort energy in terms of contributing to early projects we will be able to charge like a small fee of customer acquisition per project and all of this fee will basically be accrued in a pool which will go back to all the capex token holders similarly we also feel like otc markets are such large markets that in crypto they are one of the most money making businesses out there but at the same time over and over with time we have, we have realized all these traditional ways of running an otc shop doesn't matter how regulated it is it's it's still very risky right but blockchain basically 
really blesses with us all these properties in order to run it in a trustless fashion. So we feel like the OTC wing for CapEx, that's going to be the CapEx exchange, which is the on-chain audible, uh, will generate a lot of revenue uh, at the same time in order to like uh, give uh, a lot of this value back to the users. And then we have like some of the gamification uh, parts built as well for the token, like where we would like to incentivize some actions like staking, where like someone who is staking will get like a little more value over someone who is not staking. Uh, go up the ladder in terms of the number of X CapEx tokens or the CapEx tokens you have earned over a period of time, you will have different, different tiers of access. And the larger vision basically is that initially the institutional OTC market is going to be open to institutions and accredited investors for them to basically uh, share deep flow and do these transactions. But our larger vision is to be able to open these markets to to the general uh, uh, to, to the general retail investor as well, because rather than like buying the token on Binance for ten ten dollars, a retail investor should be buy it uh, should be able to buy it on Capex Exchange for four dollars like at a discount just because it's locked for a certain period of time. So a lot of these things will uh, come into like and any future uh, revenue streams like if if we enable lending on these assets. Of, or if we uh, enable like a lot of these other DeFi, DeFi primitives on, on this liquid staking asset, like we will basically accrue a lot of that value again back to the token, which will be completely managed by the DAO. Governance is going to be a big element of it where almost every single decision that will be taken on-chain will be taken by the DAO uh, overall. Like a lot of projects, what they like to do is like have uh, a general business entity which does business and then have a blockchain app which is crypto. Like for CapEx, it's 100% on-chain, 100% decentralized. So CapEx token essentially is everything for the CapEx ecosystem. Okay, understand, yeah. <clears throat> so we have another uh, community yeah. question here from Misha. Uh, he's asking, is yeah. it similar to Liquid Dot in the parachain auctions? Uh, not really. So uh, uh, the parachain auction is primarily about uh, onboarding more parachains into the Polkadot e ecosystem, and the winners of the parachain auction are the ones who get to make their own parachain, like Moonbeam or Akala. But Polygon SuperNex is different. Like there's no auction as such. There's no mechanism of onboarding like a limited number of chains or as such. So there's there's no concept of an au auction in general when it comes to like building a SuperNet on Polygon. I see, I see. Um, do you have already some, some projects that signed up for, for your service? Yeah. Yeah, so we have some very, very exciting projects lined up. Like we have around 40 plus projects uh, that will be coming uh, onto the CapEx platform very soon. So sometime in March, we'll be opening the uh, product uh, in terms of building communities on top of it. And uh, the next version of the CapEx app is going to launch. So we'll have like a lot of projects and communities start using that and once the markets get a little better and we see projects launching tokens so a lot of these tokens uh, will be launched through capex uh, uh, using all the vesting functions uh, and everything okay uh, in terms of the community building side um, which services do you offer there two new founded projects yeah so uh, what our, our core belief is like let's say we offer there's so many community building services, right? They're like, okay, we'll, we'll manage your Telegram, uh, we'll uh, start marketing for you, we'll host KMAs, or let's say we'll host, uh, or, or we'll promote your project in, in this, this area, or we'll onboard users and everything. Like, we feel like 
a lot of that comes second. But once if the project can start are issuing tokens to users to incentivize them, a lot of these things come into place, right? Because I, I've been in the industry five years, I've spoken to a lot of founders, and a lot of founders have this just one common experience, that is where we spend one year before token launch to build a community, but no one in the community would stay, right? Because a lot of these community members would just come and then be like, uh, okay, when are you launching the token and then leave. And the day you launch the token is the day when everyone starts coming in truly, right? So founders and projects essentially miss out on that time. With CapEx, like if we, so we like to solve fundamental problems, right? So what we realized as a fundamental problem was there's no way to incentive, align the community's incentives with the projects, right? Like before token launch. So this IOU token generally solves that. So even for our token uh, and our distribution, we didn't do any marketing, nothing. We got 115K users in like four weeks. That's like a very respectable number for this industry, right? So similarly, like we are solving a very fundamental problem. A lot of these things will get it to get get aligned as well. So we focused on just solving this one problem. That is how can we offer sweat equity to your community so that your community can take care take care of you. Excellent. Uh, another question from Anika. Um, what does your roadmap for the business development and community building look like? So I think the community building side, we already touched a little, but uh, in general, yeah, would be interesting yeah. to learn more about the current yeah. state of the roadmap. Yeah, so uh, on the business development side, there are two verticals that we have to take care of CapEx. One is, of course, having like a constant onboarding flow for a lot of new and upcoming projects, speak with them in the very early stages, understand what they are building, and then basically advise them and work with them in terms of helping them distribute their tokens, right? So for that part, like we have uh, partnered with a lot of accelerators and incubators and a lot of investors around the world where we do get a lot of information about these new and upcoming projects. Um, at the same time, we also run like a tokenomics cohort. So we have around 25 projects in the cohort right now where we educate, educate them about tokenomics. Of course, like I, I have some experience as a founder in terms of previously launching a token, but that doesn't necessarily mean we know everything. But at the same time, we try our best in terms of covering a lot of aspects, we bring industry experts in order to help these founders out as well. So like doing a lot of these things do uh, do help uh, in terms of credibility of CapEx and also help build that trust initially with a lot of these projects. So that part is something which is more or less figured. We have a very, very good pipeline now where a lot of these early projects are coming to CapEx. At the same time, like one of the second, which is most important for CapEx is like building relationships on the liquidity endpoints. By liquidity endpoints, I mean like most of the OTCs and uh, deal makers around the world where like these are the people who have access to capital and these these are the people who have uh, access to both this side of the equation, like people who want to sell tokens in the secondary market and people who want to buy tokens in the secondary market. So for, for that, we guys uh, have, uh, <coughs> so for that side of the equation, uh, we guys have been talking to like a lot of OTCs and a lot of other institutions around the world. Like this, uh, uh, we, we have a very, very strong business development team. So the idea is to just like keep on uh, talking to these people, keep on uh, educating them about the services CapEx offers. And like a lot of these uh, institutions we have partnered with and but we'll continue to uh, build these relations over, over a, period of time, a period of time. So that's a very long-term game for us. Okay, thank you, thank you. Yeah, so, um, I'm really appreciative of your time. So uh, maybe we could answer a few more community questions because I think that's, that's really great here yeah, to see this engagement. 
and interest yeah, of the people watching live now. Um, if it's okay for you that we go for a few more minutes before we wrap it up? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. We will lose them in 10 minutes. Uh, yeah, we'll I, think, I think the stream will end in about 10 minutes, yeah, so we should time it properly, yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, Joseph is asking, um, since the order book is on-chain and the transactions are peer-to-peer, does this eliminate uh, the need for liquidity providers or are LPs still used in your CapEx exchange design? Yeah, so uh, we, we uh, feel like uh, AMMs are very synthetic ways of price discovery where for like a lot of long tail assets, like it's generally the project that is uh, providing the liquidity or it's basically people who have been incentivized in other ways with crazy APRs, right? But truly, in all honesty, if you provide liquidity to an AMM, you're generally on the bad side of the trade and this leads to impermanent loss, right? So we feel like while uh, a liquid token which is unlocked in the market might need a lot of liquidity in order to have like a very, very active trading activity around it, we feel uh, a lot of these secondary market tokens don't necessarily have to be traded on an on a everyday basis. Right, it could be the case where let's say uh, a token was sold to investor A at 10 cents. After six months of holding, the investor sold it to someone for 30 cents. And then after three months of holding, that investor sold it to someone for let's say 90 cents. Right, so we, we won't actually be seeing a lot of crazy volumes and there necessarily doesn't have to be any liquidity provision. It's, it's very peer-to-peer -peer based. It's like for good projects, you will actually see a lot of demand where a sell order just gets filled very soon, but there would be projects which are very bad or are doing bad with not a lot of demand in the market, right? Those projects might not, uh, you might not be able to find liquidity for those assets, right? It's our job in order to push this particular deal to a lot of people who, who would like to invest, but if they don't want to invest, that is something uh, we, we leave it to them. But in an AMM model, like there's generally liquidity on the other end, right? But we felt like for secondary market for true price discovery, like we shouldn't be having this synthetic way of price discovery as there is no other way to incentivize liquidity providers as well. So we are sticking to the basics, sticking to how everything is done in secondary markets. That's uh, order book based. Okay, I understand. Thank you. Um, I've seen that uh, concerning your own uh, launch, yeah, you were selected yeah, in the CoinList seed batch. And yeah, we are familiar yeah, with, with this process because one of our investment, Nilian, is also included into this cohort. So that, that's uh, also very interesting for us to hear how did you enter this and, and what was the process behind yeah, uh, so to be very honest, it's what, it was a very extensive uh, process. So I reached out to CoinList like I think so five months ago and I spoke with the team and they advised uh, to apply for the CoinList seed patch. A lot of projects uh, generally apply for this particular program and they, they have, they're very, very selective about it. So they generally choose like around five to six projects. So uh, we, we applied and then they had like a long process of just due diligence, both in terms of uh, how we, we have been doing things, but also to do with like all the future plans and everything. So it was generally like just going back and forth like a lot of times, just providing all the information. And at the end of the day, I think so they, they like what they're doing. Uh, they like what we are doing. And uh, like it was like really, really great to be selected for the Coinless C patch because it does give you a lot of credibility in the space. 
like especially when as a project you're trying to innovate and build something new while 99% of the projects in the space are all copy paste like there are like 600 AMMs out there or a thousand NFT marketplace when you're trying to do something fundamentally different having this stamp of approval from some of the largest names in the world is is definitely uh, uh, like very very helpful and ever since that we've been selected for the coinless seed cohort like uh, the outlook around capex has, has changed as well and the way people perceive the project has changed as well because we are definitely pushing boundaries here right and we, we will of course continue to push these boundaries and continue to in, uh, evolve and grow yeah. awesome yeah yeah congratulations yeah to to being uh, selected yeah for this great okay. platform yeah that's really a good sign and yeah so I would say thank you very much, Hitesh, for, for, for the time. And how can the listeners follow you and, and CapEx online? Where are the best resources available? Yeah, I, I think so. Like, uh, Twitter would be one of the best ones. We are very, very active on Twitter. So uh, either you can follow me at my Twitter handle, that is HBXCapEx, and then, or, or you can uh, follow the CapEx handle, which is CapExFI. So, or, or you can check out the website as well. It's capex.fi. And uh, yeah, like uh, would, would be great to uh, connect with you there. My DMs are always open. If you have any questions, you can always just message me or the CapEx handle or someone from the team as well. Uh, we are always very excited to talk to everyone and then just, just evangelize what we are doing and try to build it. Perfect. Thank you very much. Yeah. So, Hitesh, it was really a pleasure talking to you and we've learned a lot, yeah? And I think also the audience really enjoyed it, so... Now, first time an applause for you, yeah? <laughs> that's uh, that's quite, quite unusual yeah, for an AMA. <laughs> Thank you very much. I hope to talk to you soon. <laughs> The pleasure to talk to you as well. I think so. Like everyone's was, was applauding for you. I just pulled up the YouTube stream, and you you look amazing. And uh, <laughs> I, I think so. That was you. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. yeah. Take care. Talk to you soon. Bye. All right. <laughs> bye bye. Bye everyone. Take care. Bye bye. And thanks to the audience. And also thank you for the great questions online. Yeah. It was a pleasure. Yeah. Bye. Everybody. Bye. See you next time. This recording has been prepared and made available by VVV. It is for informational purposes only and should not be considered a solicitation to sell, buy or subscribe to any financial instruments or products. VVV does not express any opinion as to the present or future price of any instrument mentioned in this recording. The information provided in this recording is believed to be valid and accurate on the date it is first published but VVV, along with its directors, officers and employees, does not accept any liability for any loss arising from the use of this information as it may change in the future without notice. Any decision made by a party after listening to this recording shall be on the basis of its own research and not based on the information and opinions provided by VVV.